Sky Sports Radio combined with Harness Racing New South Wales brings you On The Pace for your daily dose of news and tips. Morning, welcome to On The Pace on a Monday morning. Michael Gearan joining you to talk about harness racing for the next half an hour. But of course, before we start then, uh, everybody very saddened on both sides of the Tasman to hear about the great mare, very elegant. I know she wasn't a harness racing horse, but so many people who love harness racing or work inside the industry, of course, have these wonderful moments where they enjoy the great thoroughbreds that don't come much greater than the big VE. So to, to the connections, to Chris, obviously, to James, and to all the other jockeys who had the opportunity to ride here, including Mark Zara, and there are condolences. It'll be a very sad time for you and even for her breeder, Don Goodwin. So very sad news this morning coming out of France about one of the true greats of Australasian racing. And plenty of the harness racing community will be a little bit sadder this morning hearing about her loss because horse people tend to love horses. Today in the Harness Racing Show, we're going to talk about the Newcastle races coming up today. We also have the Country Carnival of Cups has been an absolute stunning success for New South Wales. We'll talk to Peter Buckman, the Chief Executive of Harness Racing New South Wales. And Nathan Turple's going to join us because he has better be the best. Back to something like his best, it may be the right time. We'll find out about the Inform Team Turnbull, but... Ricky Elchin's just joining us, and Ricky, you probably heard the news. Poor old Very Elegance passed away today, and she was an old sweetheart, and I know we're both harness racing men, but anybody who can appreciate a great horse, uh, and anybody who loves the animal, we be very sad to hear that this morning. Yeah, Mick, I've just seen that actually filter through on um, social media before, and yeah, like you say, any anyone involved in racing loves a, a true champion, whether it be... Um, you know, thoroughbred harness or, or even a greyhound. But, yeah, very, very sad for the connections are very elegant. She was, she was a great mare and pass on my condolences. You have you, had that type of relationship with the horse, a vastly different horse, but you had a trotter called Tough Yankee. Now, we're not going to compare the two because that's ridiculous, but you had a horse who set the record for wins at Menangle. You had a horse who you spent seven or eight years of your life with what sort of bond do you get with a horse where not only is it your best horse, but it's a horse that you spend so much time travelling with, often one-on-one? Yeah, he was actually called Tough Monarch, not Tough. Tough Monarch, yeah, my apologies. Tough Tough Monarch. Monarch. Uh, yeah, I mean, they become they become your family, they become your life. Um, and, you, you know, you build a relationship with them where, you know, without being able to speak to them, you, you know, you, you know, you know them inside and out and, you know, they... they they do. They fill your whole life virtually, and um, you build a bond with them, and, and that's sort of the relationship you end up with at the end. So to to lose a horse like that, um, you know, if I ever, which it will come one day, I'm sure he'll, he'll pass as they all do. But you know, it'd be like losing a party, a massive part of your life. So yeah, I do feel for the. What does an old horse like Tough Monarch do to fill his days in there? Um, not a lot, actually. Just uh, he's, he's a show pony at the moment. Uh, Lara Pengelly, she's got him here, and he'll be at Sydney Royal East to show in March. And um, you know, he, he loves the attention, and he he actually loves working that horse. So we tried to just put him out in a big paddock, and you know, when he, when he stays happily in a paddock, but he wasn't happy. He he, um, he wanted to be back in the stable, so we found him a show home, and he's really really enjoying it. 
I'm looking forward to seeing the photographs of him at the, at the Easter show. Let's talk about Newcastle today. You had the uh, two-year-old racing has started, obviously, for the season, and it's some of our first two-year-old races. It's the Tommy Ray Sapling Memorial, heats one and two, and you have horses in both. So Newcastle today, first race there, starts at 12.19. 12.53, you have Soho Gunslinger in as your rep. You usually have them ready to go. He's already paced a mile and 157 at Menangle. So I take it he's on the job for today. Yeah, um, I mean, all baby races um, with no form around them um, are quite difficult to assess. Um, you know, both heats today are full of first starters. But, yeah, both my horses have trialled quite nice. Um, from the first time we, we took them out, they had two green trials at Menangle and then we took them for a look under lights at Penrith and then they qualified last week. Um, you know, stuck to the program I, I've used with my babies in the last couple of seasons and, you know, they, they've they done everything right, so to speak, but it's still a first trip away for them. Um, different track once again, so we'll, we'll just be looking to get around safe because it's the start of their racing career, but yeah, they both do have their share of it. Okay, in race two, Soho Gunslinger, um, your horses tend to be very well educated. Is he the type of horse who would have the gate speed to go forward? Because a lot more juvenile races are won from the front end than mid-pack. Um, they're also one if you do everything right, so look, I, you know, I, I'll just be happy to get him around the first bend and then, then reassess. Um, you see you know, um, different race pressures, different to trial pressure, and young horses, if you drive them too hard into the first bend, um, you know, you hope they don't, but they can do things wrong. So, look, I'll be quite cautious on both my horses today because, you know, I just want to get them around safe. Uh, but, yeah, if they do that, they'll, they'll be in the mix. In the third on the card, the second of the two-year-old races, you have Crusader Miss, and I've never seen her, but I know a little bit about breeding. And she's bred to be good by Captain T or Captain Treacherous out of a better's delight near. Um, she's owned by some of your bigger owners of the Elf Laspina Propriety Limited. So I'm picking she goes okay. Yeah, she's once again, she's well mannered. Um, she hasn't put a foot wrong um, at any stage yet. So hopefully she's on a game again today. But um, yeah, Three Williams' horse in that, the number one horse, has been trialling quite good. Um, seems to have good manners and good speed. Um, so, you know, a few of these horses have all trialled well, but if she does everything right, um, you know, I'm sure she'll be she'll be somewhere close by. What type of horses are these? Are these horses who could turn up at the Bathurst Gold Crown? They're both aimed towards Bathurst, yeah. Um, so... You know, we have to start somewhere with these babies, so I thought today, you know, a trip away um, is a good starting point. And, look, we don't have any actual targets with them. We'll just let them tell us if they're good enough. But, um, you know, I couldn't be happier with both their work. And, you know, in the next three weeks, we'll know more about them. Where is your superstar from last season in Luxa Turner, who was just so good for so long? Yeah, she had a great season last year. Um, she's back going. She um, worked really nice this morning, actually. She's about four weeks away from a trial. Um, so she'll trial hopefully the second week in March um, and then head towards Bathurst, um, Bathurst 
three-year-old fillies race and then go to the nutrient sales race is in early April and then the Oaks and then she'll head to Queensland. It's, uh, it seems a bit trickier trying to plan everything these days because the New South Wales Oaks used to be part of the carnival and everybody sort of knew where to head. It's almost a case now, Ricky, I find that people sort of get to the, the start of the new year and go, right, let, let's try and sort this out and work out where we've got to go. I, I find that on both sides of the Tasman, um, the, almost the lull over winter and the longer extension of the two- and three-year-old seasons means that people are a bit reticent to push the button too early. Yeah, look, I, I'm um, I'm all for the Oaks being shifted, actually, because, um, you know, your Breeders' Crown is late in the season, um, and then they the horses really didn't get much of a rest before they had to be in, in work to make the Oaks and the Derby. So, like, our Derby heats are on 10 days, so, you know, the horses that raced right through to the Breeders' Crown, um, you know, early November, or late November last year, they, they really didn't get... A good long spell. Um, so yeah, for, for a horse like Luxa Turner, she was able to have a, a good spell before the Oaks. Whereas if it was on now, she she would have only probably got three weeks off towards the end of the season. So you know, everyone might have a different opinion on it, but but I do like it um, that they have shifted it. And yeah, it does. You know, you, you do have to plan your races with a horse like her because she is a high grade, and we're just going to pick and choose the feature races and you know hopefully she's good enough to come back and be competitive in them again this year what about the sales around the corner um you um are one of the the better known preparers of young horses in australasia and you get a lot of great results with the two-year-olds when you go to the sales do you do the shopping yourself on behalf of the owners do you take the horses the owners buy or do you have a strategy around the sales and, and do you ever go there and just speak one do you see one and go i love this i'm going to bunk up my own money and i'll sell it afterwards um yeah well, the sales have already started but the sales in sydney are on in a couple of weeks the apg starts this week and then nutrient two weeks later um look i always give my advice i often get a you know, a lot of people call me asking to look at horses or wanting to, to purchase a horse for them. Um, one, I ask for their budget. Two, um, you know, uh, confirmation is big and breeding is a big thing for me too because nine times out of ten in these bigger races, um, you, you will see your better stallions rise to the occasion. But once again, people can't always afford the best. So then you, it's like process of elimination. But... Um, yeah, obviously I look at type, confirmation and the pedigree is, is a big thing, particularly the dam. All right, so are you available to, to take horses after the sales this time or is it a, is the no vacancy sign up at Ricky Elchin Stables? Oh, no, I, um, you know, there's always a vacancy sign up because you never know where a good horse is going to come from. Um, yeah, we'll never have the no vacancy sign up. Um, and Ricky Hunt, who has been you know, with me for a long time now and doing a lot of the work. He, he's doing some breaking in on his own and he, he's breaking in the majority of my horses that I get now as well. So, yeah, between us, you know, we'll, we'll have a, a good little baby business going and we'll we'll keep going through the young horses to try and find our next Luxor Turner and hopefully we've got another one stepping out this year. All right, mate, if I was going to ask you, I know, I know today's not about just winning with these horses at Newcastle but if I was to ask you which one of your two chances at Newcastle today 
is a better winning chance, race two or race three, which one would you tip us? <laughs> I hate questions like this. Well, I thought um, you might, but I don't care. Look at the markets. Yeah, have a look at the markets. Good on you, mate. It's always good to catch up with you, Ricky. Mate, looking forward to seeing Luxa Turner back at those boys and girls round safe today at Newcastle. No worries. Thanks, Nick. Ricky Elchin, one of the best in the business with the babies. There's two baby races out of Newcastle today. And the season, of course, for those who, who don't follow the harnesses closely, the harness racing season starts on January 1, so it's the calendar year. So effectively we're six or seven weeks into the season now. So we're only just starting to see the two-year-olds come out and uh, his are always worth following. But there were some words of warning there, which is good that Ricky's so honest about what he's trying to achieve today. Uh, a guy worth following, if you like a good horse, is Nathan Turnbull. He's got plenty of them. Good morning to you, Nathan. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us. All right, mate. How you going? Mate, I'm loving life, brother. I'm looking forward to this big carnival coming up at Menangle, and we have some serious racing this Saturday, and you have a serious horse. Better be the best. We mentioned on finding winners on Friday that he, he just wasn't suited by the race fresh up when they sprinted home so quickly. He looked more like the better be the best we love at Menangle on Saturday night. He won and won 49.8. He won by eight metres. What sort of feel did he give you? Yeah, he felt like, you know, back to his best, really. Not that... I was too disappointed the first week. It was just um, first up. And, like, if he had a one run and then times first up, everyone would have said, you know, how good did he come back? But, um, yeah, they just sort of ran real quick up front. We couldn't catch him. And, um, well, as it was, I think, last two starts now, I've just drove him bad because he just was seeing how tough he is in the, you know, New South Wales derby. And he's just got to be up there doing all the work. And, um I think the other night proved that he can do it at both ends when he has to. OK, I take it he heads to Menangle again this Saturday night uh, for a qualifier for the Chariots of Fire, which is the week after? Yep, that's right. OK, what do you make of this Chariots of Fire field? Because you've got the best three-year-old in New South Wales last year. He's now turned four, and all of a sudden, Don't Stop Dreaming's turned up, Merlin's going to turn up, and... Grimo's got one called Frankie Ferocious, who just seems to run through brick walls. So all of a sudden, it's going to another level, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And um, we really babied our fella as a three-year-old, looked after him, really didn't take on the big boys, ready for this year, knowing that, um, you know, it was going to be a lot harder, whatever we did. And, um, yeah, I think we've been proven right. You only got it, like you said, the ones you just reeled off then and... Um, and that's about the Queensland guy, Trent Dawson's coming down, and then you've got the lost storm. It's an unbelievable crop of four-year-olds this year. Talking about the four-year-olds, the Chariots of Fire is in 12 days' time, so we hope you're in that. Um, longer term, the Eureka is on the first Saturday in September. Are we any closer to better be the best being signed up by somebody? No, nah, not yet. I haven't really had too many offers, but I guess... Um, a lot of people wanted to see me come back from a spell after he, you know, galloped before he went to paddock. Like, a, people probably would have had question marks and that, and, you know, questions weren't answered. So I understood that. And and then there's no doubt, first up, people might have thought he wasn't as impressive as he, you know. But um, I think the other night showed he um, just was a little bit underdone and he proved what he can do on Saturday night. So 
who's to say, yeah, now hopefully they might start taking me a bit more serious and, um, yeah, some offers might come. Well, if you have a slot in the Eureka, totally unbiasedly, from a person who watches lots, lots of harness racing, of course Merlin and Don't Stop Dreaming aren't eligible, I would suggest you sign up Better Be The Best as quickly as you can because he is going to be an awfully big chance over the longer distance. Hey, um, last week when you took him to the races in that very quick uh, first qualifier for the chariot, you also took on deadline. Uh, he was OK in behind him. He got down to a 151. I think he's going to be a Menangle horse, but do you find that you need to bring them to Menangle a few times to get them used to the burn? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And even um, talking about the good fellow being underdone, really, this guy probably was a little bit too. He had the three wins at Bathurst, but, um, you know, it's completely different ball game down there and just high speed racing and there's no doubt you've got to you know get him accustomed to that sort of racing so the more times he goes down the better and um yeah he's a really progressive type and um yeah he done good, a good job winning one of the derbies up in queensland and um yeah it's exciting times ahead with him as well hey, what about your boy jet um he was on the track with you last year after you won one of the feature races at Menangle and people thought, oh, that was all very cute. Well, he's not very cute anymore. He just goes out. He's, he's like a little machine. He just wins races all the time. He, I saw him win at least another one on Friday night. How many wins is he up to? Because everybody out Bathurst way seems to want to get him on a horse, use his claim and just take advantage of it. Yeah, for sure. He's really hit the ground running. Um, I think he's up to about 74 or 5 winners now, so... He's only had his license since July, so yeah, we're tickled pink with how he's going and couldn't be prouder of him, and um, yeah, he's running second in New South Wales at the moment after six weeks, so that's it with all the senior drivers as well, so yeah, he's really doing a great job and jumping on anything and for anyone and winning on everything, so there's no, um, you know, everyone thinks he's just jumping on all our good ones out here, but he's, he's winning for everyone, so he's really hit the ground running. Mm, that does raise a very um, potentially tricky question. Who would be the best driver in your side of the Turnbull family now? Would it be dad or son? Um, depends who you ask. But, uh, no. <laughs> I, bet, I bet it does. <laughs> but, uh, no, I think his strike rate speaks for itself. And, he, yeah, like you said, he's a little gun. He's just jumping on everything. And he's lived and breathed it from day one. And... Even when we went to America last year, he was just walking around with all those top drivers, picking their brain. He just doesn't stop wanting to learn. And even on the way home yesterday, you know, we, he, he's going through all his races. Do you reckon I should have done this? Do you reckon I should have done that? So he's always willing to learn and all of that. And um, I think that's what it comes down to. He, he does his form all the way to the races and he knows most of the horses he's racing. And, um, yeah, he's really mature beyond his years, really, in that aspect. I'll tell you one thing, Nathan, if you watch enough harness racing, and you'll know this too, you know when you see them in the cart, you look at Cam Hart, you look at Jet, you look at Dexter, I'm not saying he's in their class yet because obviously he's not, but when you see them in the cart, the great drivers, you know the second you see them. Um, and then what they do with that talent from that point on is, is up to them, but the second I saw your boy in the cart, I thought, oh, yeah, <laughs> he knows what he's doing. So don't tell him that. I don't want him getting a big head, Nathan. Um, by the way, before we let you go, mate, Friday, oh, sorry, Wednesday night, we always go to Bathurst on a Wednesday night. Can you tip us a winner on Wednesday, or have you not had a chance to have a look yet? Um, I've only really got the two in, the two horses in the Star Trek, and um, 
Yeah, they're both probably up against it off the back row. And, well, like I said to someone last week, it's usually a tip whichever one Jet gets on and he's jumped off both mine to drive one from that row that he won a heat on last week. So he just might be able to cop that as a bit of a tip. Okay, Six that's B, B-OK for Matt Rue. Not, not much family loyalty yeah. here. Jet's jumped no, off mate, Dad's I horses. I said to someone yesterday, <laughs> I was, I've read him and fed him for 15 years and got him to this stage and now he just jumps off and jumps on everyone else's now. No, nah, I admire that. Good on him. That's, how, that's what winners <laughs> do. Um, thanks for taking the time to join us, Nathan. Looking forward to seeing Better Be the Best back at uh, Menangle on Saturday night, mate. Thanks, mate. Appreciate the support. Good on you. Yeah, he's got a very serious horse. He's got a very serious son, too. Jet can really drive. Um, he's got a long way to go, of course, but you have 75 winners in eight months or something. It's pretty impressive stuff. And Better Be the Best? Yes, if you have a slot in the Eureka, he is one of the better chances, and he's almost bulletproof when it comes to distance racing, so I'll be looking at him very, very seriously. And we've had a wonderful summer in New South Wales with the Carnival of Cups Carnival, and, and Harness Racing New South Wales put some money behind it to make them events for the regions. Um, that moved to Albury on Friday night. And okay, I'll, I'll be honest, I wasn't there, obviously, but it was amazing viewing on television. The race itself was fantastic. It looked a hell of a good night. And Peter Buckman is the chief executive of Harness Racing New South Wales. Good morning to you, Peter. Thank you for taking the time to join us. No problems at all, Mick. Thanks for having me. Mate, you must be stoked with how this has gone because you can pit on a show for people, but you can't make them turn up but this seems to have really engaged the communities you've been to with the Carnival of Cups, and, and, and I think these are some of the communities that you can get repeat business in in New South Wales. Yeah, that's right, Mick. I mean, part of the strategy was to um, uh, reinvigorate our Carnival of Cups and then integrate that into, um, into those communities um, and effectively uh, sell our sport back into regional areas of New South Wales, and that seems to be working at the moment. We're we're quite happy with the results, and our on-course patronage is um, is good, and um, and has increased um, event on event, which is encouraging. So, um, really good results. We're pleased with them. Is the idea behind this to to put on the bands and to put on singers and and to make them occasions to say to people, we want you, if you live in one of these regions, to think, well, this is one day of the year I'll be going along and having a bit or taking the family or having a beer if I'm that way inclined. Is it to make them events and the harness racing as part of the event? Yeah, that's right, Mick. I I think, you know, we have to be really honest with ourselves as, you know, our product holistically and, and that is we were we were losing footing um, in in the sporting environment. So we had to reframe our product and reintroduce our product uh, to the public. And and we needed a hook for that um, because as uncomfortable as, as it is, I mean people weren't necessarily coming to our race meetings as much as we would like. Um, so you know the the um, music entertainment that we that we offer at our events are unashamedly um, the hook to get. Uh, people on course so then they, they can be either introduced to our product for the first time or reintroduced to the product and and that's what we've been uh, seeing because you know a lot of the conversations that i've been having on course with people is that you know it starts out with a conversation as have you been to the trots before and a lot of the time it's around yeah not for 15 years um, so it's encouraging that we're enticing people back on course and of course the the, the buyback here, which I've been been saying at nauseam, is that 
you know, we're really concentrating hard on that conversion rate, getting people back on course, engaged with the product, and then participating in the product, whether that's obviously our intention is through ownership, but it may be some other uh, form as well, you know, whether that be wagering, uh, whether that be mini trots, whether that be participation and volunteering, all of those pathways uh, are, are being put in front of people to entice them back into the industry. Do you find that this is obviously a blueprint which, at a, a higher level, worked for the Eureka last September? And, and, and is that how you view the Eureka this September going ahead again? Which is because obviously you have to work with Club Menango around this, so there's obviously two bodies who run the Eureka. But getting people there, getting them to the races, but keeping them entertained so in these fast-moving times, people don't get, for want of a better word, because it can happen in all codes, bored in between races. Yeah, I, you know, one of my favourite sayings is adapt, adopt, invent. You know, invention is, is one of the most expensive uh, pathways. So, again, um, the Eureka, uh, as Bruce Christensen and I uh, have discussed, and also Andrew Kelly, is that um, that is the prototype for us going forward, that... Um, to, to re-engage uh, the public with our product, um, to keep them engaged while they're on course and, and of course, to get them to come back. Um, you know, we are in some, you know, a, a quite a tough economic climate at the moment and harness racing as a product is, by orders of magnitude, far cheaper um, than, you know, most other equine, equine sports and, and, and the, the buyback on it is, is quite good as well. So um, they're, they're the things that we're, um, that, you know, that we're selling um, and it seems to be working at this moment. Um, lots of work still to be done, uh, lots of learnings that we're, we're seeing out of our, our Carnival of Cups and, and that will push on uh, into the new year. Mate, the Miracle Mile Carnival, it's already effectively started with the lead-up races to the Chariots of Fire, but the actual big bones of the week have been uh, reduced. It's, it's now one week, and that's March the 2nd and March the 9th. Do you find that it's hard, or what is one of the reasons behind that, is because it's hard to stretch interest in the carnival from three to four to five weeks when there's footy on, when the gallops are so big in Sydney and they take up so much oxygen in the room, do you find it's too hard to stretch those carnivals so we're better off making them bigger, better and faster and, and truncating it to one week? Yeah, I think so, Mick. I, I think that, well, 100%, that's the ideology in, 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 in moving the aches and the ladyship and, and those type of races. But it also affords Clubman Angle another carnival. Uh, effectively in in what we see probably a, an optimal time of the year. So, you know, there is that um, competing sports dollar, uh, of course, as you, as you rightly set out. Um, and, you know, we have to be aware of that and be honest with, with how we can compete um, against those, uh, those other sports. And, and of course, as I mentioned previously, with, you know, a tough economic uh, climate, people are going to be very, very, um, cautious with where they spend their money and how they spend their money, and they're going to look uh, to stretch that dollar as uh, as far as they can. Um, so you know we also have to be aware of saturation of our own product. Um, so I think you know condensing uh, the Miracle Mile Carnival over those um, two weeks is a is a sensible uh, way forward for us. And you know time will tell 
whether it's successful or not. But, you know, on face value, it'll, it very much seems the case. Peter, for those who don't follow the harness racing as closely, how is the industry tracking at market share? And again, one of the problems with that is the gallops are so massive and they get so much coverage. It's incredibly hard to compete against them. How are you tracking for market share? And as the sales are around the corner, how does that extrapolate out to revenue for the industry and potential stakes increases or returns to owners? I know that's a very broad question, but um, just to give us an overview for people who, who, who don't follow this so closely. Yeah, so, I, you know, it's a, it's a great question, Mick, and, you know, we don't have half hour for me to really uh, dive into it, but I'll give the best summary that I can is, you know, again, as, a, as, as uncomfortable it is for us, is, you know, our market share has been dwindling over, over some time. You know, the initiatives that we're putting in place um, on a national level uh, should be acknowledged. You know, the Eureka is an attempt to, to, um, to bring participation back, back to harness racing. Um, you know, we, we, we've got to be really clever in how we how we position ourselves. Um, you know, we're we're of course we're in uh, competition with with other equine sports, but it's it's really really important that we we stand on our own two feet. Um, and there's that very famous saying, um, "Be yourself, because everyone else is taken." And I think you know, over the years, we've tried to position ourselves with a poorer version of the thoroughbreds, and and that's. You know, obviously there's some upside to that, but what we've potentially done is we've sold ourselves as a thoroughbreds and people assume that we're the same cost proposition when, that, when that's simply not the case. Um, we're, we're, we're taking back a little bit of, um, of market share, but it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it'll be a long road ahead before we start to really bite into that. Um, so we'll need, to, we'll need to be clever in, in, in our strategies is, is how we position ourselves and how we frame our sport up and and that will be largely around affordability and how often you're you're able how often you're able to see your horse go around and the easy access in trainers drivers etc um unashamedly we're a blue collar sport we're a pretty um small entry price and we race for millions and not a lot of people know that mick you know joe public doesn't necessarily know that um, so it's you know part of my job and as a national effort to educate people that we're open for business, that we're a very family friendly, very family focused industry, um, and that um, you don't need a lot of money to participate. Well, mate, the Carnival of Cups has been a huge contributor to that, mate. Thank you for your time. We're looking forward to what's going to be a wonderful two or three weeks coming up with the sales and, of course, some outstanding racing at Menangle. So, thanks for joining us on a Monday morning. Thanks, Mick. Appreciate it. Peter Buckman is the Chief Executive of Harness Racing New South Wales. They have had an absolute barn burner with this Carnival of Cups. It's got people to all sorts of cool tracks, including Albury on Friday night. If you're listening in Albury, hey, g'day. Hope you had fun. <laughs> Hope you weren't too hungover on Saturday morning. Okay, that's on the pace done here for a Monday morning. Hope you enjoyed the coverage. Um, well, next one we'll be back on Wednesday at 10.30 at Brittany Graham. And, of course, as I said, for all of us in the harness racing community, we also will miss and are saddened to hear the news of the wonderful, very elegant, as is everybody who loves a champion horse, and there's no doubt she was that. That's on the pace for your Monday morning, back Wednesday, 10.30.